crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today we have an absolutely tremendous episode for you, a conversation with Alex Bardman, the CEO and co-founder of PathPoint. PathPoint is changing the game on ENS insurance. When I say change, I know I say changing the game a lot because I'm a hype man. That's what I do. I have a podcast and I hype shit up. That's 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 what I do. But honestly, you know, this, when I say these things, I believe them. Like they're making ENS super easy. Pathpoint is making ENS super easy. And frankly, I was almost kind of pissed when I, like halfway through this episode because I don't really want you guys to know about Pathpoint and some of these other companies because, like, then you're gonna start doing the stuff that Rogue is doing, and you know. Whether you can execute it the same way we can or not, I don't know. But you certainly will know all our little tricks and secrets, and PathPoint is definitely one of them. They are making ENS easy, easy, easy like Tarmica. And um, I was just so excited to talk to Alex. This was our first conversation. I'd spent time, you know, talking to his underwriters and other people on his team, um, you know, because we use PathPoint all the time. But uh, at Rogue. But this is the first time I had talked to Alex, and uh, you know, when I asked if he'd be willing to come on the show and just talk a little bit about what they're doing, I was excited when he said yes. So, um, it it uh, this is really good. This is tactical, nerdy. You're gonna like this one. We talk about different things we're doing. We talk about why uh, some of the innovations they're making in ENS are so important to the industry, and I think you're absolutely gonna love this episode. Before we get there, want to give a big shout out to today's sponsor. Podium. Podium is what we use for our web chat feature. We also do a lot of texting through Podium. And we're starting to look at some of their other features like campaigns and um, like the strategic review link. Um, you know, they have like a, a deep link that you can use um, for reviews and reviews not just to Google but to Facebook as well. Because, you know, even though I hate Facebook with a passion outside of a couple groups that I'm part of in there, um, the I do, you know, getting reviews on Facebook can help push your Facebook page in SEO. And again, it's all about capturing uh, the total breadth of the the first page of Google for for your name at least, and if and, and hopefully for search in your area as well. If you're if you're if you're geographically based, and that Facebook page, your Facebook page probably ranks. And if you can get some reviews there too, very good idea. I uh, don't want to get too nerdy about it, but Podium has these has deep links that allow you to do that. Um, it's super cool. Uh, their web chat feature is like web chat to text. So we're getting right now we're getting like a 95 plus um, response rate on all of messages. So if someone messages us through the Podium uh, web chat feature, we're getting 95 plus response rate because it then becomes a text message for them. So now they're texting back and forth with us, and we all know. Um, how powerful text message can be. So, you know, being able to capture more leads, you know, uh, improve our reviews. Like I said, we're working on some of the campaign features, so there's some follow-ups and all that kind of stuff. Um, Podium is a tremendous tool. Love using it. Um, love the people over there. Super good people. They've been um, willing to train my people, do one-on-ones. They've been willing to to work with us on a couple feature things that we were we were thinking about, and uh, just in general, have had a very good relationship with them, and very uh, proud and happy that they've been willing to sponsor the show uh, because I like sharing cool tools with you. Uh, also, want to give a big shout out. Uh, oh, before I do that, podium.com, p-o-d-i-u-m.com, podium.com, podium.com. Go check it out. Just get the demo. Get the demo. Not telling you you have to buy, but get the demo. See what it's all about. See if it fits your agency, and if it does, um, you know I recommend. Uh, before, uh, also want to give a big shout out to uh, Mick Hunt and the team at Premier Strategy Box, guys. You've heard me talk about Mick. Mick is the best. Um, just absolutely 
we couldn't be where we are today at Rogue if it wasn't for Mick. Just working with him week in, week out, being able to set uh, appointments uh, or set meetings with my people, with his people, so they can talk about detailed and nuanced stuff and work through process. Just couldn't, I, I just can't recommend Mick and Premier Strategy Box enough. And uh, if you have some, some, some strategy issues, some process issues, some questions around sales, around service, retention, this is what they do. They help you work through those things. And um, like I said, mix the goat. Mick and the team at Premier Strategy Box are the G-O-A-T. Premier Strategy Box. Go to mystrategybox.com. That's mystrategybox.com. Mystrategybox.com. All right. Let's get on it. Alex Bargeman. Alex. Yes. Hey, how are you? Good. What's going on, man? Good. The old uh, quit Zoom and reload it and, it and it fixes itself type thing. Well, I could be a jerk and just let you think it was your fault, but I had my microphone plugged into the wrong computer, so. <laughs> um, good. That means I can use my headphones and microphone, which will be better audio then. Uh, yeah. Might have been the factor. I'll try to start our relationship with honesty, you know, to some extent. As, as I'm sitting here going, you know, oh, I wonder what's happening, you know, because you just never know. And then I look down and I see that the so I do my editing. You can't see it. It's off screen, but there's a computer over here where I do like any video or audio editing or whatever. And this morning I was dusting up some episodes that have to go out and I forgot to plug my microphone back into this. <laughs> that was 100% me. Um, well, I'm glad it's working now. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yep. You sound cool. great. So cool. appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having me on and, and working with us. Yeah, well, I'm super, you know, I, uh, I'm interested in, and we can kind of get right into it. I, um, you know, I, I, I was interested in, in how you got to insurance, because if you look like into your background, LinkedIn and some of that kind of stuff, it doesn't look like you have a ton of insurance in your background. And, and I might just be wrong about that, but I'm interested in, you know, kind of how you got to this space. Um, completely by accident. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think if you asked me 10 years ago at age 22, if I'd be a lot licensed surplus lines broker in you know, 40 states, I would have one been able to answer the question. But once you explain what that meant, meant to me, yeah. you know, been, been on board with that idea. Um, so uh, it, it was all sort of by happenstance. Um, my background is in software development and product management, sort of like technology software companies. And I uh, took a job working at a investment fund that did seed stage technology investing, mm -hmm. but also in incubated companies. Um, it's called, it was called HVF Labs. It's now called Sci-Fi Venture Capital. They're one of our investors, but they had an interesting model that uh, they'd sort of hire a small team to work on a problem that that they thought had legs to spin out into an, a separate business. It was very focused on fintech or sort of adjacent businesses, and almost all of them started with kind of like an initial partner or even customer from the industry. So, like a legacy com company, for lack of a better word. Um, and the idea was like, and and that's sort of how we started exploring. Uh, what became Pathpoint because a, a PNC carrier had a relationship with HVF and they were like, we have a huge wholesale distribution business and we'd love to see 
more technology and software being deployed into the wholesale channel, but just sort of at large, like no real point to it yet, right? And they, I think it was in part that carrier had seen what had happened in the standard lines market, both with like captive and independent agents starting to place business through software yeah. and then sort of looking at their wholesale business and being like, huh, commissions are going up, but it's not getting faster for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, like what's the deal here? And so they kind of brought that prompt to us and we did uh, you know, three months of research, like interviewed 120 people and, and sort of like got excited by it. Um, and that's kind of how I fell into it. Uh, it just had a lot of like patterns that were interesting to me and the people I started working on it with, like from the outside, pretty opaque industry, but huge market from the outside as you, when you're ignorant about how the market works, you're like, why haven't they digitized, right? Classic Silicon Valley arrogance then you like actually learn how the incentive structure works and you're like, wow, this is fascinating. And also um, definitely like ripe with opportunity and kind of just pragmatically, like we decided to get started on, on, uh, on building a business here. Um, it took us a couple of years to get to building a ENS brokerage, uh, digital ENS brokerage, but, but uh, here we are. Yeah. Um what was one of the first things that you ran into that <clears throat> obviously I'm always interested in people who, who it's because um, I don't know. I find this to be a, I know, I know a lot of industries think that they're unique. Um, I feel like insurance is one of the few that actually is for certain reasons. Um, and I'm just interested in like, what were one of the, first things or anything that like from the outside seemed like this should be a problem that's solved. And then once you got in, you're like, Oh, I can see why this hasn't been solved yet. Like I can see where some of the struggles may have been and, and why this still isn't already a thing. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. There's a lot. Um, I'll give you like an academic one and then a more like cocktail party one. Um, the, this is like going to make me sound like I don't know what I'm doing, but it took me a long time to like really appreciate ENS underwriting and rating and how those concepts are quite different from like a process perspective in some ways. Yeah. Obviously, they're, they're deeply related if you're a carrier, but coming from a fintech world, like where it's just like reduce friction to zero price the risk accordingly, and then just like have some controls in place to make sure you don't get out of bounds. Like understanding that that's just like not the model in ENS and how, how it's working day to day took me quite a bit to wrap through my, like get through my head and was kind of interesting to come to appreciate, um, you know, like we're in a segment of the market where like, uh, you know, like binding authority and MGAs and programs. And like, there's just like, 12 different ways to talk about how insurance is distributed. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to come to appreciate the different models and, and why they make sense for di different strategies or different products. Um, the second thing, which is more frustration than, than, than like anything like an epiphany 
is just like, there's so much jargon in ENS insurance. And this is kind of where I feel like the door has been shut to new entrants into the market, which is a mistake. Like you need to be bringing in new and younger people, but like the incumbents use the jar, they weaponize the jargon. Like yeah. I would be in like meetings trying to like learn how an MGA like set up its business. And again, like, yeah, I'm, I'm using, I'm taking their time. Like I understand it and that type of thing, but they would like ask me trick questions just by like using like, you know, esoteric insurance concepts. And I don't know if they're, they're not being malicious. Right. But it's just like, they're just testing your knowledge. And yeah. obviously, I obviously I failed. Hmm. And, and so it's like, you just got to keep banging your head against the wall to like get the jargon out. And I, I don't want to like accuse the industry of like, I don't think this is some like cabal. Right. But I'm sure you've seen this, right. There's so much terminology in insurance. Like, oh, yeah. I, I'm guessing you've come across it too. Yeah. 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 I was trial by fire that you will most likely put through. Um, and you know, it is, it's, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I tell this story a lot on the show, but I think it's very important, especially when we're having discussions like this. Um, do, do you know what uh, Sheffy Ben Hutta from Coverger? You familiar with her? I, I know of, do, do not know personally. Though. Yeah. So yeah. Sheffy was on the show, Jesus, probably six months ago now, but, um, and I'm a huge fan of hers and have a lot of respect for her viewpoint. And we were having discussion around um, how insurance in many ways is still done uh, in a dark room, you know, in the back of a dark room over a glass of scotch or whiskey or whatever bourbon, depending on where you're from, <clears throat> how sophisticated you want to be. Um, <laughs> how big a premium the policy yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she said, her comment was, I hate that insurance, that the industry is still run that way. And, you know, I pushed back on her and said, you know, I, I hate that oftentimes that, I think too often that table is just two fat old white guys. And that part bothers me. But the fact that it this industry still runs in some modicum of the old school concept of trust and uh, loyalty to a certain extent, although you know that's kind of being torn down a little bit, um, and I I think is a good thing, right? Like they're testing you because they want to make sure you're going to be around. Like this industry, I think more than any other, still values are you going to be here? Like things are yes. going to go wrong, right? They're going to, we're going to have a hurricane. Shit's going to get super hectic. There's going to be money flying all over the place. And I need to make sure that you're still going to be here when that happens. And like that testing and prodding and like backroom kind of mafia style relationships. Um, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm anti any kind of like, you know, someone's not allowed in that room, but I do think that the level, the, the testing and the requirements and like the prodding and the, you know, kind of punching bag at the, at the carny, carny fair kind of test your strength kind of thing. I do think that that's, um, I don't know. I've come to value that I've been in the industry for 16 years now, and I've come to value that aspect of it. The, I think you're right. I mean, like particularly, an agency, a brokerage, a broker, whatever role they're playing, like they're selling trust to the client. And, and so, um, and like, if you decompose a carrier into like, it's absolute, like atomic entities, it's like, 
price risk, underwrite risk, take risk and pay claims, like yep. build a brand that has tr the trusting ability to pay claims. And so I think that that, I, and I've seen that too, like going back to your question around like, what did I have to figure out? Um, this is an industry where you have to, like it's capitally intensive because to your point, you have to prove that you're going to be around. And that's not even as like creating a carrier, right? Like there's these companies in techs that are on like multi-year long sagas to create carriers. Some are now sort of achieving that. But even for us as purely just a distribution platform, we would be trying to work with underwriters at carriers where their boss's boss had already said, I want to digitize this product with a new entrant. And they'd be like, yeah, but you got to show me how the numbers work. Like you can't just disappear in 18 months. Yeah. And so like, cause it's just, it's, it's too uh, risky for us to put our product onto this and then not understand how it's going to play out. And so we definitely um, had to figure out how to get around that and, and sort of prove that we weren't, you know, just a bunch of people in a basement basically. Yeah. How did you do that? Um, we, uh, I think ultimately what did it is we uh, raised venture capital and including included in that fundraising round was uh, a few carriers in the sort of ENS market or had ENS mm -hmm. uh, units. And so that uh, um, was important because it was like very top-down buy-in from them and effectively de-risked the supply side of our business yeah. substantively because we had this executive buy-in on putting products or giving capacity to Pathpoint to sort of digitize the wholesale distribution platform. Yeah. And so that's like an expensive way to deal with it, you know, like, yeah, yep. <laughs> but, but it, it's worked. And I think um, other insured techs have obviously done this. This is not, a, you know, a, a novel yep. idea. I, I think a lot to like, I don't know Hippo personally, but I think Hippo has also done this on the demand side, right? Like mm -hmm. they've taken strategic capital from distribution partners, insurance entities and non-insurance entities. And I think that's also really interesting as a sort of weapon to prove like legitimacy and get sort of buy-in. It's again, very expensive, but seems to work. The other thing that Hippo did that was very smart is right from the get-go, they were very accommodating to the independent agency force. Yes. And that, you don't, I think we're, I think the day is gone where, you know, there's still some curmudgeon legacy agents that if you have a direct channel, they, you know, won't write with you or whatever. I, you know, I, it is naive to think that travelers, Hartford, Liberty, you know, all these big guys that we, you know, that everyone writes with, they all have their own direct channel. So I, you know, I think it's, I think it's a little, you know, talking out of both sides of your mouth to, to, to then knock someone like Hippo. But from my perspective, I think what they did right is right from the get-go, they were very amicable to, to the independent agency force. You know, they went through, they were also going direct, which, which, but they were upfront about it. They were clear about it and they didn't tailor their product direct. They actually tailored the product more for independent agents and just had a direct channel. And that to me, I think opens a lot of doors, even if the independent channel isn't a huge part of your business. What it does is it says, I, I have respect for where this industry came from and I'm willing to play that game. And, and obviously I'm going to do other things too, but, but I'm going to make sure you guys are taken care of. Here's it's kind of like, you know, you're going to the Godfather and peeling off, 
you know, his portion of, of whatever you just, you know, whatever you just uh, uh, acquired, you can say, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, here you go, independence. Like, if you want this, you can have it. Here you go. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. And then I'm going to do these other things over here. But, you know, you're, I'm going to make sure that you have access to this. And that just, to me, that, t- that, that brought down so many barriers to them. Because now people are like interested in it. They're like, is this going to be a good product? And, you know, truthfully, there are places where hippos pricing is great. There are other places where their pricing is atrocious, but that's every carrier and everyone's accepting of that because they know that's how the game works because they kind of were upfront about engaging everyone. So I thought that was, that's another way to kind of indoctrinate yourself with lemonade being the polar opposite case study on just, just creating absolute hate fire and roadblocks everywhere you go to distribution because of the way that you handle yourself, you know, and the things you say in the marketplace, like I think about a company like Lemonade and, you know, obviously their founders and early employees got paid, right? Absolutely paid. They're all making money. But when you think about the legacy of that company, it's kind of like whatever. It's like a, it's kind of like a dry fart. You know what I mean? Who cares? It, they had a big, you know, they just, they're a non, you know, an unprofitable IPO'd business that isn't really a good investment, but makes splashes every once in a while with a headline. And, and that's fine, you know, good for them. But I felt like they missed the ultimate opportunity if they had taken the hippo path, embraced some of the legacy market, opened up some of their tools to them, still done all the crazy shit that they did direct, you know, and, and that's fine. Um, but just been a little more friendly to the industry. Man, I think they... I think their legacy could be completely different personally, but. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't uh, know Lemonade too well. Obviously they've built a huge business and, and, uh, but to back to the independence thing, like one thing I really liked about Pathplan where we were able to sort of figure out our differentiators is like, we didn't have to deal with this notion of do we go direct or do we go through agents? Like the problem we're solving is that there are, so many independent agents and they're so frustrated with wholesale insurance. And so we just back out from that and we don't have to deal with any of this, like, oh, when are you going to go direct? Like, like that's not, that's not our business model at all. And uh, where we sit in the market, because there's a whole other insurance market that has to be intermediated by a whole other type of intermediary and so on and so on. Like we just can really back out from what the independents in particular need. I mean, we don't, work with an agency, you know, we have a couple offices at, at, at large brokerages that sort of function like independents, very sort of, you know, fiefdoms and sort of independent in the nature of they operate. But we, we kind of, our bread and butter is working with those uh, uh, smaller, more independent agencies because they just, it just sucks to get like a $4,000 ENS policy through, through typical channels in many cases. Yeah. So when you first started examining this, what was one of the most glaring um, difficulties when you're doing that? You know, you said you did 120 or 150 interviews, whatever it was, and you're, and you're starting to, you know, you got a page full of notes, you know, this sucks, this is tough, this takes too long, this is frustrating. When you started to like kind of compile those, what was one of the first and, and most glaring issues that, that you knew you'd have to address either immediately or at some point um, in putting PathPoint together? Um. I think, uh, so like the, t- taking a couple steps back, like the, 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 we can, we can make this process more efficient if we get 
the data about the applicant or, or the policy or whatever part of the process the coverage is in, get it out of a document, out of a spreadsheet, ideally into a database. And that sounds like really simple, but like is profoundly difficult because it's either like a deeply technical problem or it's like a really complicated user interface product problem where you're asking someone to key data into a web form or something like that, right? Which is, is asking them to do work. So you better be delivering value on them. And when we were first uh, researching this, like we could not figure out and, and we, we, to this day, I don't know what it is. We could not figure out an incentive structure for wholesale brokers to take on that work, to get it out of spreadsheets and SOVs and accords and into software or, or, or a digital database. And so that's kind of in many ways why we then took our research to learning what the agency perspective was on accessing the ENS market. And, you know, like there's definitely a, uh, a meme, if you will, and ensure tech of like portal fatigue, right? Like, oh, more portals. Well, like go to an independent agent. Like they use portals all day to place all their business and the successful ones do it. And, and so I think like there's some value in being able to digitally quote business. And so that the value prop of like, okay, if we can work with the carriers to automate the underwriting and quoting of this coverage, ENS coverage, right? True, not admitted coverage and give that an interface to agents, that is that, that those incentives work basically. The CSRs or the AMs who are just following up on the email for like the 20th time to be like, hey, can you quote? Like, they're like, wait, hold on a second. In like four minutes, I can at least get some sense of if this is gonna quote or not. Like, boom, gladly they'll do that basically. Yep. And so figuring out that structure I'm sure to you, you're like, yeah, if you'd asked me when you were starting, I could have told you that, but, <laughs> but it took, you know, it took us a little while, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, it is, um, it's one of the, it's one of the reasons that I was searching and, and ultimately found you guys. Um, and in full disclosure, everyone listening, I, I write, we write business through PathPoint and quote it all the time. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the whole thing is, you know, agents have stayed away from ENS for a long time. You know, if you're coastal, you know, I got some buddies in uh, New Orleans and, um, and Alabama and, and they deal with ENS every day. But for a lot of other agents, you know, ENS is something they, they really don't want to work with. Yeah. It comes in and, and yeah, they deal with it if they have to, or if it's a client, they really want to write, but they try to avoid it at all costs. And, you know, I've always struggled with that because, you know, the way I, I think about business in general is what is the sh shitty parts that no one wants to do that? That's where the opportunity is, you know, like there's a reason why, you know, if I look at, so we, we do, we do, we're small business. We write in small business. Right. And I look at a lot of like the companies that have just been funded and God, it's just like, it's like they're copying each other verbatim, right? Like if you're a consultant, great. If you're a startup, awesome. If you're main street, great. It's like, okay. So you've taken like the three or four easiest classes to business, easiest classes to write in the world. And now you're super slick at that. Like, congrats, you know, where's the hard stuff? Like the, that's the easy part. Like, let's talk about the hard stuff. And, and that's, um, you know, that's why, you know, when we, you know, I, I made this, our team, we did a lot of talking. We have this no cut.
policy is gonna be no customer gets left behind. We're gonna we're gonna find a way. Well, if we gotta do accords and handwritten affidavit C's and all this other crap, like that's gonna destroy us. And then that's when a Google search brought me to you guys. Or no, actually, it was uh, it was Greg Parker. Greg Parker yeah, reached out yeah. to me, and then I Google searched, and I was like, this looks this looks great. And, um, and then that's how, obviously how we got hooked up and, and we started the relationship, but it, um, to me, this is a problem that had to be solved. Like it just had to be solved. What I didn't know, and this is what I'm really interested in. This is what all this big dong diatribe does have a question is what I, um, what was it like getting, you know, cause you think like Hartford can return a quote that makes sense, right? You're like, you know, they're, Main Street, you know, that kind of stuff. That makes sense that they could return a quote in real time and that you might be able to compare it against like a, like a Tarmica kind of thing or whatever. Um, but the idea that in the ENS market, you can do that because I think a lot of people still think of it as like hand hand underwriting. You know, someone's got an abacus and one of those little wheel things that no one actually knows how to use and they're still like coming up with the rates that way. You know, uh, how difficult was it or were there products in the market already to, to get ENS carriers that could return digital quotes that could do that in that format and had that kind of setup. The, um, uh, that's a, an interesting question. So we, I think when we started first working on outline, I, I would get, I would guess that a lot of people were like, there's not enough digital product out there. And when I say digital product, I just mean accessible through an API, at least quoting, maybe rating sort of thing. Obviously binding and issuance is great too, but you know, I'm kind of in the trenches of insurance over here. So I'll take what I can get. And, um, and I certainly the rate at which APIs have been leveraged as distribution interfaces in ENS has accelerated over the time. Like we have, we used to have to you know, turn the backpack upside down and shake it out to find carriers that had APIs. Now we have a list of people that like, we don't, I, we're like, we're not staffed to actually bring on board because- You got a backlog. Yeah. And, and so it, it, you know, like that's a macro thing. Like it's just sort of changed, but I think our, I think the thing we got lucky with, like may, whether this is insider luck, like you tell me, but the, we do a lot of small commercial ENS um, because it's where- the pain's the, the worst, right? Like it takes so much time to do a small policy. Everyone's losing money. Um, to your point about it, like agents not wanting to do this, like the, anal- the best analogy I heard uh, from an advisor of ours is that small commercial ENS or even ENS at large is like plaque. Like just by eating, you get plaque, right? Some of your clients, for whatever reason, one of the things they need is gonna have to go to the ENS market. It builds up. Over time, you got to go to the dentist to get the plaque off. You don't really like, no one likes going to the dentist, but you still have to do it because you just want to keep your teeth. You want to keep eating, basically. You want to keep servicing your clients. And so completely agree with you that this is not something agents want to do. And uh, the point being, as we realized in trying to solve this, that the binding authority segment of the market, even if there weren't APIs already deployed, the nice thing about the binding authority area where you're outsourcing underwriting to an intermediary, right? You have actually built the algorithms for at least the underwriting piece of it. Yes, they're in a 350 page PDF called underwriting guidelines, but those are algorithms and algorithms you can put in computers. Maybe 25% of them are referrals, right? Okay, but that leaves 75% to either immediately decline or immediately say, we will quote this. 
Then you just need the pricing. The pricing that is 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 a much shorter putt for a lot of these carriers to get pricing in an API, basically, particularly for a specific product. And I, easier said than done. Like I know how complicated these things are, but the the thing we were able to leverage is that we didn't actually have to convince them to automate underwriting because they had incidentally already done it by writing these binding authority guidelines. They wouldn't tell you they automated it. They'd be like, oh, we rely on the MGA's underwriting expertise. Well, that's true if it's like an MGA that does massive parking garages or financial lines, but for artisan contractors, it's just rules-based, right? And so we just take the PDF, put turn it into software and then give give the agent an interface to run through those rules in an efficient manner like dynamic forms only ask what we need to to run the logic tree and that gave us and, and again we're not the only people that do this like you know rt connector amwins they've all automated sort of some of their binding operations and some of their products too so nothing you know that we oh, we've only discovered here but that did give us a leg up and that you don't actually need the full, fully automated API the way you might think of as like, okay, a Hartford BOP, I need a, I need to quote it, I need to bind it, I need to issue it, and I need to do servicing and endorsing and all that. You can, because of the way the binding authority contracts and structure works, like we can kind of cobble together software plus services. And, you know, we have both of those capabilities to give a fully digital experience to the end user, which is typically a CSR at an independent agency. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed, let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual intel, that's with two L's, that's virtual, I-N-T-E-L-L.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right, virtual intel, cast certified. Yeah. So, so I, you know, this to me, these are the type of, of, of leaps that I feel like are underestimated in our industry. You know, I, I spend a lot of time, we're a fully digital agency. I have, I have employees, you know, in other countries and other, in other States that seem like other countries. Um, and depending on how, how difficult it is to get a tax ID in that state, yeah. um, you know, so it's like, uh, you know, it, 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 to, to me, I'm constantly thinking about every minute 
that my people that is unnecessary for my people to take, right? Like to, I want to make the, the things that are unnecessarily that take unnecessary amounts of time to be reduced to zero as much as possible aspirationally, because that'll never happen. But, but if we're always thinking about that, then, you know, I've, I've had conversations because, um, you know, you know, I've, I've looked at Amwin's access, RT connector. We do, we do do some stuff there because you guys have different appetites and, um, and then we use, we use you guys. So really, really, I don't, we don't really use Amwin's, but that's nothing against them. We just don't, um, I kind of ping pong between you guys and, 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 uh, an RT connector based on who, you know, who has the appetite for the thing. And, um, and, you know, what I've, what I've, I've seen is we now can write ENS business as fast as we can write a main street bop. And to me, you know, when I get a contractor with a loss or that also does excavation or a carpenter that also gets on roofs, it used to be like, Oh God, no, no, throw, throw it on the floor. We don't want that. You know, we're not going to waste our time with that. And now I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Throw it in path point. We'll have a, we'll have a, now granted, is it going to be as, is, you know, the ENS rate because they're getting on roofs versus standard contractor, they're going to pay more than their buddy who also owns a pickup truck and drives around town because they get on roofs, but they're going to have insurance and it's only going to take us five minutes, just like it would take us five minutes to quote that, that standard carpenter. And those kind of leaps in time where my counterpart down the street is, is that's that same account has taken them two hours before they put together accord forms and supplementals and all this crap. And I've just gone into your platform, quoted it, gotten a rate and figured out, yeah, maybe do I still have to eventually do an accord or something? You know, maybe, maybe I still eventually have to fill out a supplemental, but I now have a rate that guy has said, I accept it. And we're moving on to the next stages before my counterpart is even considered putting the quote in. And that to me is such a huge win for independent agents. And that, you know, I feel like is lost on a lot of people. They're just set up with their, with the, whoever their ENS person is, whoever their wholesaler is. Ah, I like my underwriter. I'm like, your underwriter could be the, 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 you know, the, the best person in the history of the world. They could send you tickets. Well, so if my underwriter sent me tickets to the Bills games, I probably would do more business with them. But you know, <laughs> the, the, my point being like the time, you can't get back that time. If it takes three hours to put a submission together versus 20 minutes to fill out a form and answer, answer a couple of questions and maybe one follow-up email and you got a quote, like that to me, you can't get that time back. And it, that is the most valuable piece of this is, is how much time are you getting back into your day? Because now instead of doing one quote, you're able to do four quotes. And, and that just amplifies your business at, at a level that I think people aren't really considering today. And, and uh that's really cool to hear. And because like, if you're positioning yourself, you're outselling or just meeting people and you're like, I, I am an expert in small business commercial, like the painter that also goes out on the roof or the carpenter that also goes there, he, they don't know that like they need to go to a specialist, right? Yeah. They're just like, oh, I'm a, I run a small business. I, I just started it a year ago or I'm just starting it right now. And, yep. and they're going to come to you and you you're going to be like, oh crap. Like, and now, you know, it should, it ought to be as easy as the other stuff, certainly, um, particularly for these, for these smaller accounts. I'm curious, like contractors is our, our largest segment, uh, 
uh, with with sort of lesser's risk as as the second yep. right now, pretty one A one B. I'm curious, like from your perspective, um, like the carpenter on the roof, that's like a canonical example. Like we talk about that internally too. The handyman yeah. like does a little bit of other stuff. The the gardener that does snow plowing in the winter, like yeah. right, like all the classics. Like what other stuff gets to the cutting room floor that you wish didn't? Basically, people that dig tree work. Um, you know, it's really heights and digging are the big ones. Um, and also multi, multi-discipline, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I do plumbing and I do electrical. Well, you're going to get, you're going to get bumped out of a lot of standard markets for doing both. Now, if you're a big shop, you're a 10 person shop and you do both and you're like, I have specialists. Well, you know, that might be a, but especially like a smaller shop doing multiple things that can get bumped out. Um, any, you know, people who work on vehicles, you know, uh, vehicle stuff, um, you know, the multiple, the multiple classifications thing took us a while. I think we're still working on adding, um, you know, like we think pretty granularly about our appetite and like making sure that we are, uh, not just adding class codes where we're just adding some raw number of class codes that we quote, but we're adding class codes that we know are table stakes yeah. plus the ones that are inherently going to lead to it going to the ENS because those correlate with each other, right? Exactly what you're saying. They get used together on the same quote. And, and so that took us a while to really figure out both at the UI level, like how do we make it easy to do multiple classification, but also at the integration with the carrier product level, because that's, to your point, they're, they're either trying to package like property in GL and some feature of the property in the GL is sending it to ENS, yep. or they're trying to do the GL and some feature of the operations, the, some class code is sending it to the ENS market. And so you have to really solve for those things, both at a, what appetite do you offer? And also how do you make it easy to do it? Which is not yeah. easy. I just had a really good one um, that was janitorial services where they had a proprietary chemical mix clean gym floors. So they had a proprietary chemical mix that they had created that allowed them to clean a gym floor to get that nice, crisp, crisp, grippy feel that you want if you're playing on a gym, but didn't erode the um, layer of and it, you know, whatever, the, the, the epoxy or whatever that you put down on the top of the floor, it didn't erode that, but it got it clean, right? So they had figured out with this chemical. Okay, so the issue was that one that they're mixing, they have their own chemical mix. That was a big, you know, it's kind of a no-no immediately. But the second issue was they have to purchase um, this chemical in bulk. So they can't just like get a a little bit of it. They have to purchase basically 30 to $50,000 worth of the chemical at a time, store it. And then over time, you know, they may only do three or four orders a year, but they would have to then mix it out of that. And they had this little dilution process they did. And I mean, basically everything I just said, a standard underwriter is like their hair is starting to fall out. So that's a no doubter risk that, you know, you, you, that, uh, that's not going to be kicked out. And I think what's interesting is, and, and, you know, one of the things that we always have to, and, and I'm sure you've heard this from a lot of your, um, advisors and people that you've interviewed is while, and, th- and this again is an interesting part about the insurance industry. And one of the things that I think makes it unique is while, you know, we all, why I firmly believe that we have to be leaning into as hard as we can, making the process easier and less questions and all this. At the same time, 
we are we are literally managing the future of these businesses. Like if we make a mistake because something is because we wanted something to be easy and we skip a step, we could really hose people up. So you were talking about the multi um, uh, multi class code, right? So I had a uh, another guy come in and he um, did uh, uh, sports things. Like he would set up like um, like backyard sports he built like a little basketball court in the backyard or like a, a tennis court in your backyard. Like, yeah, he did like, like any kind of like sports feature in a park or something. That's what he did. And he put up jungle gyms or whatever. And like, that's, that's one, essentially one class code. Um, but he also rented some of that equipment, like portable hoops, like other things that could be portable. He would rent them to people who wanted to have like a basketball hoop at an event. He would rent them the hoop. Well, what are we going to, it's the same company. You can't, you're not necessarily, that kicks you out of all the standard markets. Cause now you're renting stuff. Yeah. And you know, you look at that and you say to yourself like, okay, he didn't have, and, and this is how I got the account was he didn't have the rental piece on his policy. What the previous agent had said was, oh, if the renting is incidental, then it should be covered. Just if right there, now we're in trouble to begin with if yeah. it's incidental. So who's determining whether it's incidental or not? And what does that mean? And should be covered is like, you know, you should have like every warning sign off. This is, this is the guy telling me. So I yeah. said, well, I don't know, man. I'll be honest with you. If I, if, if someone gets seriously injured on a hoop that you rented somebody and I see on my policy that you don't have rental coverage, uh, I'm not going to pay that. Why would I pay that? That's crazy. And he's like, doesn't oh, sound too incidental. Yeah, he goes, oh. his exact response was, oh, shit, man, I'm in trouble. I, well, I said, nah, you know, not yeah, really, sure. well, you know, and then whatever. So, but it's like those kind of little things are to me what make um, ENS interesting. And if you can make it so it doesn't suck, the interesting part and the not sucking part come together. And I think that's where the magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, a, one carrier we started working with very early on, very, very early on before uh, we knew we, we even had a bit incorporated uh, was we were talking to them about ENS and like the types of risks that go to ENS. And, you know, at that point, you know, you Google ENS and it's like Marine and mud maps and shared and layered business and Lloyd's of London. And so, you know, it's like residual aircraft insurance and all that yeah. type of stuff. And, and this carrier is like, forget the aircrafts. Like it's about abattoirs. And of course they use the sophisticated word for slaughterhouse. And they're yeah. just like, it's just about the small businesses out there that have something weird about yeah. them. And that's who needs this type of product. Yep. And if you can figure that out, like you'll make a lot of people pretty yeah. happy, I think. Um, we don't have appetite for avatars yet. So I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it is, ENS is such a, is such a rabbit hole. And, you know, I'd say when I started my career, I was scared of it like anybody else, right? The policies look different. You got premium yeah. financing involved, which is like, why, you know, that's different than how you're kind of learning. So everything about it is different and a little, a little just weird, right? You're, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Have them sign the Hartford quote and you take their credit card and you stick it in Hartford's portal and boom, they're all set. They're good. Right. That's easy. And, but then you get this whole other side of it and it's a little nervous, but 
once you start to dig into it um, and really get a feel for, for what it is and what it can be, again, I, I you know, I would not have wanted it to be part of Rogue um, if I hadn't started to see what was possible. And, and, and with some of the stuff that, that you guys are doing, I look at an ENS policy today the way I look at a Main Street policy. I'm just like, what's the difference? If I can quote it through you guys or I can quote it through Tarmica, what's the difference? Yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. what, you know what I mean? To me, what is the actual difference? Like maybe we got to notate a few more things. Maybe we have to, you know, um, think a little bit about premium finance, but you know, I, I don't know. Uh, we use Ascend, which is made oh, cool. finance so easy. Um, and you, uh, the, uh, that's great to hear. I, I, uh, I've met Andrew and Praveen and they, it seems like they're really onto something with Ascend. So you like it? And they've been awesome to us. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know if we're, I know we're way early and we're probably one of their smaller agents, although we do, I mean, we do a decent amount of ENS for our size. Um, you know, I've been trying to give them a lot of feedback and they've been awesome about, about taking that and, and helping us. And uh, um, I do think it does feel to me like they're on the right path with, with payments. I mean, I think, I, you know, I've been saying this for a few years now, I, there is such an enormous opportunity in payments in general. Um, do, you, do you prefer that the carrier or the whole, like, do you like direct bill as an agent or do you want to so be able to I, offer sort of invoice? My invoices? ultimate goal is to be a hundred percent agency bill. Now okay. today, that would be a nightmare if you had to run your agency bill primarily through agency management system, because most agency management systems are terrible. Yeah. That being said, um, I think there is an opportunity and whether Ascend is the one that capitalizes on this opportunity or someone else, I think they're on the right path, you know, but I don't necessarily have a dog in the fight other than I like them. Um, you know, there is an opportunity to create a portal where in, in any VCs that are listening to this, that want to fund this idea, I'm hundred percent open to working with you. Um, you know, that this, um, uh, I don't think a lot of VCs listen to our show, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I think there is an opportunity to create a single point payment structure uh, uh, portal, right? So, so that you as an agency can control the entire experience, whether it's, you know, whether you're sending it to I, Hartford travelers, guard employers, or it's going to ENS wholesaler, uh, you know, ENS, or ENS broker, wholesaler, bonding company, what, you know, what, what I looked at our, so we uh, use a tool called agency zoom and they recently launched this um, uh, part of their tool called uh, the, the service center. And part of their service center is it allows you to track both time touches, whatever for certain tasks. And when I look at the amount of time that billing takes, it makes me want to gag. Like it's, it's a choke point in, in, in our agency because Chubb, doesn't, you know, we'll take ACH and credit card and they have five payment options, but they, they mail you like physical mail you cancellations and you're, you're like, oh, what? And then Hartford won't take credit card for first year payments. They'll only take it if you pay in full, which is bananas. I mean, I, can't, I don't even understand the thought process behind that, but they won't. So how do you figure that out? So what do you do if you've forgotten that and taken the credit card from the person, but they want to make payments. Now you need to go back and get their check. I mean, dude, this is like all day long. You need to have a PhD and understanding all the different payment process for all these carriers. And they all think that their way of doing payments is right. 
So yeah, my so my thought is, and where I ultimately want to get to is is we take all payments, all payments through one portal, right? Payments come in. Uh, we give people the option to either finance those payments or pay in full or finance them quarterly, whatever, you know, th- like two or three payment options, but financed payments if, if it's not pay in full. And then we just agency bill pay every carrier in full on every policy. Now, here's what that solves. It solves one, I'm only sending my customers to one place all the time. Two, I now have the ability to know and control messaging. Hey, you're 30 days out from your payment. Hey, you're, you know, if they're quarterly, Hey, you're, you're seven days out from your payment. Just let you know, you're going to get a, 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 a notice here to make your payment or your recurring payment or whatever. Right. And then if they don't pay, Hey, your customer is three days late on their payment. You may want to ping them. Cause what happens now is I don't get a, a non-payment email for seven, sometimes a month later. I mean, I got carriers that still physically mail me cancel for non-pays in the mail. I mean, that is just stupid. And um, so so this all being the case, you now control that place. And I know I'm solving a problem that has nothing to do with your business. I'm just talking this. No, it actually, it it, it actually has quite a lot to do with it. And not a lot. I mean, it's, we just see this like, so we agency bill everything, but but with our interface is just email to the agents, right? Because we we have a we have a payments portal, ACH. You can mail us a check. We'd prefer you didn't. People still do. Uh, at, but we have to send invoices to all our agents, and then sometimes they forward those to the clients, and the clients just click the link and pay it. Sometimes they they have to go to another team within their agency, and so it's just not. It's all this spaghetti, right? And and there's no structured way for us to make it. Um, like we can automate our follow-ups on, on, did you pay or did you not? Right. But there's no way for us to actually get visibility into making the process sort of easier. And like that, you ask most agencies about this, like, oh, integrate with their agency management system. Well, like, first of all, like, it's going to take me 18 months to convince her to afford to do anything with me. Yeah. So, so like see you in 2023, unfortunately, and same for applied. And, and so like, it's kind of frustrating to, I'm kind of with you. Like there's, there's something missing in this part of the back office that that probably could be a lot easier if it was connected the value chain was connected through software maybe it might be too like i might be romanticizing it but no i definitely can get the pain here's here's how and here's the beauty of it if i'm if i'm agency billing everything and paying the um uh paying all my carriers net i have day one 100% 100% commission day one in my agency all the time. So now, you know, time value of money, I'm not getting a year from now, you know, $33 from some stupid policy because they made their payment that month. I've gotten the full commission upfront day one. The carrier is paid net in full. So they're happy, right? They're getting their money upfront and the customer doesn't know the difference. They're paying a small finance charge to, and to make payments. Who loses? And we have all the, all the benefit of knowing I don't have to know how Chubb wants to be paid and know how to navigate their system versus Liberty versus employers versus insert all these different carriers and how they want to be paid. It's all done in one platform. That to me is a game-changing concept. Um, 
And if I wasn't running an agency right now and was broke because of that idea, I would, uh, this is what I would be doing. Cause I think this is, this is like the next problem that has to be solved in our industry is this problem. It, it's just, it is, you know, you right now, you can now get multiple commercial lines quotes, multiple personal lines quotes, propeller bonds has completely changed the game for how to do bonding. You know, you guys have changed the game for, for how to get a quote for ENS. Yeah. It still takes us an ungodly amount of time to make payments. It just, yeah. it, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. I can buy crypto from 17 different apps on my phone <laughs> and with a button click, but it takes me 40 minutes to figure out how to pay my insurance premium. It's like insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's so true, and the uh, our so again, like I think this is structural to wholesale. Like our the carriers we work with don't have they don't have direct payment relationships with clients or agents, right? Yeah. Or they have obviously with their wholesale agents, but so it's like kind of an opportunity for us. Like why we think about this because structurally the carriers ENS carriers like don't want to deal with this, right? They're like they want to run. We want to want a leaner carrier specialty focused on specific strategies and specialty and we'll rely on the wholesaler to deal with the process and that's sort of how it's been traditionally and so there's a lot of opportunity for us to actually run kind of in this area and if you look at our our engineering team is approaching 20 people right now and i would guess in 2022 over 50 percent of their time will be spent on problems around like process and back office. And I don't use back office in a pejorative way. Like yeah. this is like, um, like we still, like there's so many subjectivities to bind or to issue an ENS, right? Inspections would be like a simple mm -hmm. example, but affidavits, you know, other things. And those are all, those vary by state. So like automating those documents is a quite an arduous process to like oh, yeah. go through. And just riffing on what you're saying about payments is I suspect we'll probably be doing a lot of thinking on the, whether you call it invoicing, payments, collections, whatever, because there's this gap where you can sort of just reduce friction by deploying some software into it. And like, you know, maybe you pay when you bind on Pathpoint or something. I'm not sure how it'll manifest, but we kind of plan, we think that as much of our value prop is about access, like every wholesaler can offer access we have to make it easier across the whole life cycle too yeah. to actually win the business. Like we're just, a, we're just an upstart, right? We, we can't blanket the market with the submission. We just don't have that capability. So it has to be easier for us to, yeah. to continue to differentiate. Well, dude, I want to be respectful of your time. This has been tremendous. I, I appreciate you spending this time with us talking about what you're up to. Um, I hope everyone listening will spend Take, you know, take two seconds, go to it's pathpoint.com. You just, I just Google pathpoint um, and you'll see it come up, um, you know, super easy to get connected, get signed in, get appointed. And um, man, you know, for contractors, for LROs, you're, you're going to get quotes or at least know whether you have the opportunity to get a quote in, in seconds or, you know, minutes, if not seconds. And uh, you know, it's it's really changing the game for us. I mean, we've rebuilt some workflows in our agency to, that have really helped us save time and effort. And it's it's opening up a whole market to us because of that time that, 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 that you know, that we kind of avoided, that we all avoided. You know, we all kind of avoided the ENS market on purpose. So um, I'm glad you guys are out there. I'm glad you're pushing the envelope. I'm glad we had a chance to connect and just appreciate it. 
Yeah, I appreciate the conversation. Um, and uh, please reach out whenever if you have feedback or stuff we can help you with. Yeah, can uh, people get at you on the LinkedIn or what's your what's your preferred? LinkedIn works uh, or my email is my first initial and my last name at pathpoint.com. So a Bargman at pathpoint.com. Awesome, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Cool. Thanks so much. Are you looking for an insurance community to join? Have you heard of the LAAIA? The Latin American Association for Insurance Agents is just not for Latins. Their focus on diversity and inclusion over the last few years has made this 54-year-old association one of the fastest growing and the most dynamic associations in the industry. With established chapters in Florida, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, and Denver, it's no surprise this association has the attention of everyone in this industry. Their upcoming national convention on beautiful Marco Island includes keynote speaker Trisha Griffith, the CEO of Progressive. National leaders from around the country like Marshberry, Vertifor, Lula, and more will be here on center stage as well. And whether you're an independent agent, a captive agent, life or health agency, or even a financial services professional, this association offers you everything you need to network and grow your business. Make sure you check them out and consider joining me, Jason Cass, at the next upcoming convention. It's going to be August 21st, the 24th, at the JW Marriott on stunning Marco Island. This has been Cass Approved.
few drinks and smoke a joint bubbles? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>